0: Well, fall camp for Oregon football starts tomorrow, but uh, recruiting never really stops, does it? What's the latest news? What are we looking at? The latest commitment or lack thereof, like what is going on on the recruiting trail? We'll find out today with our recruiting expert. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Thank you for liking, commenting, subscribing, wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Five-star views on Apple Podcasts help with the show as well. Thank you to everybody out there who has already done so. And this guy joining me today has probably heard that spiel enough to where he could recite it. If uh, if I asked him to, the Director of Recruiting for Sports Illustrated and our expert here at the Locked On Network, John Garcia, Jr. John, welcome back to Locked On Ducks.
1: Good to be back on with you, Spencer. Uh, looking good, man. It's a nice polo for you. Well, you probably were golfing
0: <laughs> earlier, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, I, as as we record this, I, I had an early morning. I was doing a radio hit in the Oklahoma area, actually, in, uh, in Tulsa, talking about Pac-12 realignment. And so I threw on the shirt, and I was like, you know what? it's uh, seven in the morning, I'm up and at him. let's go hit the driving range and then come back and, and get some work done. That's, that's how we're rolling. And uh, recruiting is is a job that is always rolling, right? It doesn't really stop. Even during the dead period, you can still, you know, talk to kids and uh, figure out, you know, watch film and figure out where, where your positional needs are, all, all that sort of stuff. But I, I saw some comments from a very animated Oklahoma head coach, speaking of uh, the Sooners State, in Brent Venables. And he was at the podium talking about kind of the value or perhaps lack thereof sometimes uh, of verbal commitments, which pertains to a particular Oregon recruit in, in a moment. But he was pretty ticked off, uh, John. And, I mean, he's looking at it from a head coach's perspective, which he is now. He's been the D.C. at Clemson for, I think, the last 36 years or so, something like that. And uh, now he's finally got a, a head gig back where he was at D.C. before. And, and he's, he, he's just feeling frustrated, it, it seems, in this quote where he's saying, like, yeah, these guys are committing to me, but then they're going to take a visit here. They're going to take a visit there. They're doing this what What do you make of that dynamic overall, and also how how Brent Venables feels about it? I personally empathize with him. I'd get a little annoyed with it if I were a head coach.
1: It's annoying, but it's part of the process. I, I think you know, he he comes from Clemson, like you mentioned, where they just handle kind of everything differently. They don't offer at the same rate. They don't host kids at the same rate as as other programs. and, When you commit to Clemson under Dabo Sweeney, you are not allowed to take other visits. So in turn, over the last few years, what have we seen? Clemson commits who want to take other visits, so they decommit because they want to go see some other schools. And that is the nature of college football recruiting. A verbal commitment is what it says it is. It is just a promise of me saying, hey, Spencer, I really like your podcast, and I want to join your podcast. Nothing else. There are no... Written anything, contracts, scholarships, signatures, none of that. It is just a verbal commitment to a head coach for that recruiting cycle. And this recruiting cycle is going to begin to end in December. So we're still four plus months away from that early signing period, February, of course, the traditional one. So in between now and then, there are going to be decommitments and there are going to be flips and there are going to be kids who are committed to one school and change their mind. So to say that. It's frustrating is an understatement, but to also try to develop a solution to where you can truly combat it, I think would be almost naive. Uh, but coming from Clemson, I could see where that is a little bit more idealistic, right? It's 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 a romanticized version of courtship. It is you are courted, you make this this decision mentally, you 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 audibly confirm said decision, and then you you get married at the end, uh, which it would be signing day. There are, There is no dating others. There is no bachelor party. There is nothing else in between, you know, of your your promise and and the actual execution of, of said promise. But again, it's 2022. Um, NIL is a thing. Player mobility is a thing. Transfer portal is a thing. These kids see it as normal and as successful. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow. I mean, my my goodness, there, there's there's a hundred quarterbacks and players I could list that that had a change of heart either in high school or in college or both at times and it kind of just worked out and there's a there's many more cases to where it hasn't quite worked out but that path is not is it's no longer viewed as red flagish if that makes sense kids who decommit kids who change high schools kids who you know any of that stuff used to be like oh we don't want that kid not the case anymore some of the best players in the country go through that once twice or even more so i think it is it's a little idealistic of of brent and i get it you know all things even yeah of course you want your commits to be done but it's 2022 you have to recruit your commits and everyone else it just is what it is and that's why a lot of coaches don't want to deal with recruiting because it's 12 months a year and it's not even done when kids you know, may say that it's done. Uh, but again, they're kids and and there's value out there. And, and if they want to test that value, they have every right to and, and they will continue to do so. So the Brent Venables, the Dabbo Sweeney's of the world, to me, will be uh, few and farther in between because it's just not reflective of where player empowerment and, and the business end of recruiting has, has gone.
0: I think the other factor playing in there to why he specifically feels that way, and though I I don't know if he's vocalized, I'd imagine Nick Saban might be in the same camp, but then again, kids probably don't decommit, or at least big-time recruits probably don't decommit from uh, Alabama the way they might at, at other schools, but they're you know uh, Brent Venables has been around the block uh, a little bit he's of that you know at least an older generation maybe not Nick Saban i don't know how old he is off the top of my head he's not as old as Saban but he's certainly of that age and it's a little bit of an old school mentality i think that's why i empathize with him cuz i'm a little bit old school in uh, in that in that way and that when i say that i'm going to do something or that i'm going to be somewhere I tend to want to do that. When I tell my uh, play-by-play employer, Southern Utah University, yeah, I'm coming back for the 2022-23 sports season. I, I'm going to do that. And if another school were to contact me and say, "Hey, we're interested in you for this," I'd say, "Well, uh, that that's great and all, but I told them like I was going to be here." And so that's just how that that's just how, how I I think about it. But I see what you're saying that it's it's a reality of college football. But on that note. Jurion Dickey is understandably getting some uh, attention here. And we talked uh, a couple months ago, John, uh, about how, yeah, we won't be surprised if he's reclassified as a five-star. He's going up as uh, as a recruit at the wide receiver position. He, he is a really, really good-looking wide receiver prospect, an NFL sort of body, frankly. He's big. He's fast. He's agile, big hands. He's got everything that that you want there. Oregon's got his verbal commitment right now, but other schools are kind of poking their heads out the door, being like, oh, "What's uh, what's going on there, Jerrion? You wanna you wanna come on down and and hang for a little bit?" So, uh, oh, what are you hearing on that front? Well, surely uh, Miami is the school that most people are
1: are curious about relative to Dickey, and and why not, right? Uh, this is a program that, uh, his their head coach has recruited Jerrion before, right? Uh, he was an Oregon target for well over a year maybe two years, uh, dating back to Mario Cristobal's time up in Eugene. And and there's obviously multiple assistant coaches that followed Mario from Oregon to Miami. So yeah, Dickey is, is a legitimately high-level target uh, for the Hurricanes, both before he committed to Oregon and um, continuously after. I mean, it, again, it just is the nature of college football recruiting. And Dickey has reciprocated it on his end. He has taken multiple trips uh, to Miami. Uh, he, he's a big fisherman, so he certainly wanted to test the waters out there and and maybe compare and contrast uh, to to that in, in Northern California and the Pacific Northwest. But this is not the second time that he's done it. and and he said it's just for family and he's saying all the right things. but you know the the visits and the actions speak uh, a little bit louder. Uh, and then furthermore, you know his he's real tight with Jaden Rashada. I think that is something that is well known at this point. They've played seven on seven together last time you and I saw Jerry on he was playing for the Miami Immortals which has like four or five Miami commitments and counting on that roster with head coaches and assistant coaches on that roster who are Miami fans right so it's a Miami based team so understandably so in that regard so i think there's been a lot of internal momentum for Miami with Dickey now is it tangible is it are there predictions where he's going to flip Probably not. But I think you look at Dickie's standpoint and he's not saying he's visiting Miami and he is continuously on social media talking about Oregon and Junior Adams and the wide receiver group that that has been put together and and pairing with Dante Moore, which was huge in in any case to keep him pairing, you know, his game with Dante's, uh, you know, I, I think is a really big part of that and of course dante committed like two months after Jerion did so naturally it's not something that was built into that initial oregon commitment but i will also say on the pro oregon side of this thing you know jerion has been a duck lean i would say for a year uh, so it, it has transcended coaching staffs there's there are elements of eugene in and of itself that he really enjoys and then you combine that with the new coaching staff He's a big fan of Kenny Dillingham. He he'll shout out Junior Adams. I don't know every day on on social media. Um, so that stuff is obviously important to him as well. So it is something to keep an eye on. There's no doubt uh, Miami's recruiting at a high level, just like Oregon is. Um, and and there's obviously ties to that to that part of of the country uh, and and some friends along with it. So if he continues to take the visits, I would obviously be a little bit more cautious in, in, in that um, expectation of, of Dickie being a duck, which is a phrase I didn't think I would say uh, today, Uh, but certainly, you know, it's, he's worth it. Like you said, he's arguably a top two, three, four, five receiver in this class that is known for having a lot of great receivers. It's a receiver heavy group and he's one of the best or 100%. So whether it's Miami or whoever else, You expect him to continue to be recruited by others, and that should be expected going forward as well.
0: Well, there's more to get to on the recruiting front with John Garcia of Sports Illustrated, but there's even more to get to with Bilt Bar. If you haven't tried Bilt Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. Guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough. I've got some in my pantry right now. They've got little clumps of cookie dough in them covered in 100% real chocolate. Built has done it again. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. Only 160 calories and a whopping 15 grams of protein. They keep me going on the golf course. They'd keep Jurion Dickey going out there while he's fishing uh, for sure. You can get yours right now. If you go to built.com. use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your next order. That is promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. I imagine, uh, John, that one way... Oregon can stand out, you know, Jerion Dickey's a big fisher. Like I was joking about it with the ad read a, a moment ago, but I'm sure there's some places to fish in Florida, but I guarantee you it's not as nice a, as a good summer in Oregon and the rivers and forests that y- you get up there. You just don't get that, that, that sort of action down there in, uh, in Florida. Like if you want to be a fly fisherman, I mean, Eugene is like a, a 90 minute drive or so from Ben. That's like some of the best fly fishing, in in the country, not to mention the fact that Bend is a is a wonderful place. I'm not a fisherman myself, as all of you know out there, Duck fans. I'm a big time golfer. There's that in Bend too, but <laughs> I but, but I, I want to ask you stuff stuff like that for recruits, right? Jerry on Dickey loves fishing, and look, if I loved golf and I were a football player, yeah, maybe I would consider the sort of golf I'd be able to play. How much can that factor into uh, a, a guy choosing where he plays college football?
1: Look, I, I think when you talk about the on-field stuff, it, it speaks for itself. But yeah, a, a lot of these kids will tell you that, that you take you take visits for almost no elements of football. You want to see how you feel about the atmosphere, how you feel about the campus, the housing, the food. Um, any one of these elements have have been lifted up to talk, you know, and being talked about. Uh, by high level recruits as part of the reason why they've made decisions. It's the reason why every facility it feels like in the country is always under renovations. Like, Oh, well now the new waterfall is being put in and it's got a slide and it takes you to a a chamber where you can sleep for 20 minutes, but it really means you slept for seven hours. I don't know. You know, there's a reason that the arms race in college football it's not renovating stadiums it's it's weight rooms it's dorms it's the facilities that these players all but live in while they're there so if you expand that to the cities and the the towns and the states that these schools are located in yeah that becomes pretty important if you know this is something that is important to you and uh, i was scrolling jerry timeline while you uh, were reading that fabulous uh, promo that you did and he caught a shark in miami the other day. He said the sucker was heavy. I'm like, what? So you're not an amateur if you're catching sharks in any body of water. So yes, if you guys want to see a picture of Jerry on Dickey with a shark, you can get a sense of how big he is because the shark doesn't look very big in the photo. But yeah, I I would say this is more than a hobby for for on Dickey. So yeah, that stuff can become really important. This is the second time he's visited Miami, the first time he talked about fishing and now he's showing us after the second time about all the other fishing and now oregon fans are combating that with um their photos of fishing local to you know <laughs> yes. to the state of oregon so it's it's quite outside the box but yeah it's really important i, I do think that everything everything around the campus could could help lock it in because when you have so many great options a lot of them feel the same when it comes to x's and o's right everybody's telling jerry on Dickey, you're going to be our number one receiver we're going to use you in the boundary in the red zone you're going to rack up double digit touchdowns blah 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 so when, when it comes to blurring that line it's very easy to do so but you really can't do that with the other elements of campuses you know um, and and miami's obviously unique in and of itself but so is eugene as a person who's who's been to both i mean those are two of the most unique places in america if you really have to come come down to it in different ways obviously but very much not like uh, other things that you've experienced. So I think that's an interesting, you know, element of this whole thing because you're you're living there. You're you're there at least 3 years. Your family's visiting you there. It's not just about football for for these kids. It's largely about football, but again, when there're clear other hobbies like we talk about Mateo Uyangale, the music producer. Yep. You don't think he's going into these studios and saying this studio sucks. So, you know, when he gets back to his family, <laughs> this one sucks. This one's really good. That is absolutely going to matter to him. So why wouldn't we equate the educational differences that are important to him with the, the kind of just human, you know, experience, you know, things that are, are priorities to, to Jury on Dickey or hobbies or activities that can maybe one day be, become another career. I, I don't know how serious it is, but it feels pretty serious cuz it's come up as much as his game has and he's one of the best players in america so have at it what you will
0: i think this is slowly turning into a fishing podcast just i don't just, know anything about fishing let me just make that <laughs> clear either. i'd i'd have to get my dad or one of my good friends on here they they both know they both know how to fish and both are are from my dad grew up in Medford uh and, and my friend is from the portland area originally he lives in bend now and uh, goes, goes fishing all, all the time. I, I am not, like I said, everywhere I go, I golf, but you can fish a lot of the places you go too. And you know, it's honestly such a great hobby. I promise we're going to stop talking about fishing, and get back to recruiting here right after I, I just bring up that. I, I think that if I, if I had a son and I was going through a list of hobbies that were options for him, I would love it. If my son loved to fish, I'd be like, you know what? That's a great hobby. That, I, I think that is a fantastic. There are a lot worse hobbies you can have, and I think we'll right, uh, right. We'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. So. Let's keep going here uh, down uh, so the list of some names that, that Oregon is looking at in the class of 2023. A couple guys in the trenches, which is where I feel like a lot of the recruiting focus is going to be for Oregon in, in the coming months because there haven't been a lot of names there. There's Tavita Pomee, the big, I mean, big, big body, three star guy out of the state of Utah on the defensive line, but no offensive linemen just yet. And, and you know, they've been in on a couple guys but haven't gotten there. Lee, of course, in the class of 2022, will be. Be a foundational piece, but uh, they're going to need to add more guys to that position. I think that's a pretty uh, understood consensus. Uh, one name who has popped up on the recruiting radar is four-star offensive line, offensive lineman Caleb Lomu. So, uh, what can you tell me uh, about him? Kind of uh, the sort of player he is, and where where Oregon's at with him?
1: Yeah, Caleb's a taller, leaner offensive tackle prospect who is just now, I would say, at the forefront of his ascent. You know, he was at Oregon over the weekend for the Saturday Night Lights I- event, which is always a big deal in town. So good to see the new staff carrying that over, much like we see at, at some other programs that have continued kind of long standing off offseason traditions there. Uh, so yeah, he took a visit out there and uh, he was so good, he didn't have to camp for his offer. So that's how much Oregon is is coveting <laughs> him uh, along the offensive line. Didn't camp, still got the scholarship offer. And he's picked up a few more offers here recently. I think Florida offered him uh, on the 31st uh, of July. So, yeah, he's he's increasing uh, his options there. Uh, has only taken a couple official visits. He's got some room to take some more during the season. So if he wants to further vet some of the new options that are in on him, uh, he can do so during the season in September. But if he doesn't, it's probably good news for the ducks because it's dead period right now. There are, are no other visits to, to be taken at this point. Um, and then he obviously spent his, his last available uh you know visit window up in Eugene overnight. So I do think that's good news there. Like you said, huge need. Uh for the ducks in that regard, no old lineman on board just yet. Um, but this is to me a long-term guy. You know, he's 250, 260 right now, so extremely long and lean at the tackle position. Uh, but you understand why he's picking up more offers. He moves pretty well. That length uh simply cannot be coached. And, and a lot of coaching staffs around the country are beginning to recognize it. So I think the ball is totally in Cam's court. Uh depending on how long he wants to elongate it. Uh he could if he comes off the board right now, I'd probably think Oregon's in, in really good shape. And if not, then I think he takes a couple more official visits and goes from there. But yeah, otherwise, it's it's your Utahs, your Pac-12 programs that are involved in this recruitment to this point. But again, continuing to take visits, I think, is a good sign uh, for, for Oregon uh, in this regard because he hadn't taken that Oregon official. I'm not sure if he, he'd even been to Eugene in the past very much. So I think that's important as well and you couple that with the fact that it's a new coaching staff. So naturally that that's always important to, to get, you know, that face time with those guys.
0: Defensive line, uh, another position we're watching closely here on uh, the recruiting trail. I've said for a while, I think that's, you know, where, where I'm hoping Lanning and Lupoy with their their pedigree and resumes, not just as defensive coaches, but as defensive recruiters, uh, it can really make a splash and continue, you know, kind of what we've seen over the last several years, getting players like uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Brandon Dorliss coming in, who have just been, you know, uh, really, really good players to high-level NFL draft picks, of course, in Thibodeau on the defensive line. Uh, Amari Washington is a name to follow, four-star defensive tackle. The Ducks miss out on uh, Colton Vasek who, uh, Vasek or Vasek, I think it's Vasek, uh, commits to Oklahoma. Oregon was squarely in the mix there, but we get Tyler Turner. They get Colton Vasek. Seems like that happens a lot. You know, yeah. you have like two or four guys that are down to two schools and two will go here and two will go here, one here and one there. Uh, so Vasek goes to Oklahoma. Now, uh, attention's kind of turned for Oregon to, Amari uh, Washington.
1: Yeah, a little bit more of an inside out guy compared to Vasek, who to me was a, a pure edge rusher. So maybe more positional value with Amari Washington. And sure enough, as you just set it up perfectly, my friend, uh, Oregon and Oklahoma in the final group for uh, Amari Washington, LSU. And I think the Florida Gators are also involved there. And look, Florida uh, is, is chasing Oregon on a few different targets here that we've talked about here in the trenches lately, something interesting maybe to track down the line, but yeah, Washington uh, has expanded his list of top schools to now include the Gators, but Oregon was, was in here from the jump. Um, and I think that was important here because he's, he's been able to get up to campus. He was another uh, visitor for, for Saturday night lights. He's a kid out of Arizona. So naturally a little bit easier uh, to get to campus compared to uh, some others that we've talked about uh, over the the last few weeks and months. Um, so yeah, I don't know what this timeline is, though. I think that's what's interesting. He is down to only a few schools at this point. So history tells us that he's probably closer to making a decision than not. Um, but throwing another school in that top three, which was the original grouping, makes it interesting. And he did that just before the month turned over to August. So adding Florida there, I'm wondering if a visit is being set up or, or something enough to pique his interest is, is becoming a part of that conversation. Because he's only taken a couple officials, Florida. What was not one of them. So I think that will be interesting to track here going forward. But uh, coming off of SNL, I do think there is confidence up uh, in Eugene uh, that Washington, should he commit sooner rather than later, uh, would would stay in Pac-12 country and and be a duck at the end of the day because they're the only Pac-12 school still in it.
0: Always good talking with John Garcia, Jr. of Sports Illustrated. Of course, I uh, was not going to leave a recruiting show without talking about Oregon's uh, most recent commitment that did come along—the uh, defensive line in Terrence Green. He announced that on uh, was it Monday? I believe, yeah, Monday, the the first of August. We've talked about him a little bit here on the show but everything was trending towards oregon he ends up choosing the ducks and kind of an inside out player um you know we, we've discussed him before but maybe not everybody's seen uh just kind of your quick rundown there on the sort of player the ducks are adding here on the defensive line
1: yeah uh, fitting that a, a guy named Green's going to play for for the ducks i know it's not <laughs> yeah. the first time but you know
0: we're journalists so
1: we have to have fun with that stuff yeah this is a long athletic prospect, uh, got some two-way ability, which is good. You know, I, I love players who play kind of the counter position to, to their projection. So he's a defensive end, plays a little bit of tight end. So you get a little bit of that, that counter, uh, you know, perception, uh, and it helps your football IQ. And oftentimes it helps your readiness to, to jump to the next level because you, you just have different gains when you focus on one spot, but on defense, Terrence shows a lot of juice off the edge. He's got great length to his name, so he can build counter moves uh, to to pair with that speed rush that works so well at the high school level. So I I think the foundation is really strong here, but he's got this great big frame, almost basketball player-like, where you could just see more weight being added. So you wonder where the true position projection may end up for a school like Oregon with him. I think he's more comfortable on the outside, but I think he could kind of work his way inside just depending on how much. His frame can actually carry, uh, and that's a good problem to have because maybe early in his career he's a pure pass rusher, and then he develops into this kind of all-around inside-out threat uh, that every defensive coordinator wants uh, on their roster. But like you said, big to get green in the fold. You need trenchmen in this class. Uh, you know everything else is looking pretty good. You need trench prospects uh, on both sides of the ball. So a little bit more pass rusher help on top of that is is never a bad thing in this day and age.
0: Well, hopefully the first of many defensive line commitments for the Ducks. And uh, we, of course, would like them to be noteworthy names as well. And John Garcia Jr. is a noteworthy name because we're always talking recruiting when he comes on, the director of that area for Sports Illustrated and an expert here at the Locked On Network. John, appreciate the time as always.
1: Always a pleasure, boss. Thanks for having me back on.
0: I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.